0: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Dual Link Up, a podcast where we talk about Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. I am one half of the week, Notorious Cly, and the other half is the DLCS! That's right, we got another interview episode, folks. And today I was joined by two members of the DLCS, that is Duel Links Champion Series, Fictinium, and a Dragon Soul, a.k.a. Fictin Dragon, which sounds like a pretty awesome late 2000s adult swim cartoon give me one second while I write that down cool ideas for later all right anyways to join the conversation be sure to check out our subreddit our slash the dual link up our discord server you'll need an invite code for that discord server to get it feel free to email me at the link up at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at the dual link up. All of those are at the dual link up, T H E D U E L L I N K U P. All right, and I suppose I owe you an explanation for my hiatus. First, I'd like to apologize for being away for so long. Uh, life got kind of crazy. Without going into too much detail, um, all of my free time was pretty much consumed with uh, big boy stuff, being a responsible adult, and all those wonderful, joyful things. In addition to my adult responsibilities, I also had a work schedule change, followed by another work schedule change, followed by another work schedule change. It became very hard to find windows to sit down and plan out a podcast, let alone record a podcast. So I apologize for the hiatus, and I will do my best to make sure it doesn't happen again. Alright, a little background on our guest before we get started. Vict and Dragon, like I've said a couple times now, I think are from the DLCS. They are a Duel Links gaming community, and one of their showcase pieces is a tournament that they host. They held a tournament a few weeks back, and although I couldn't enter the tournament due to the previously mentioned big boy responsibilities, I still wanted to find a way to engage with the tournament and show my support for them and everything they're trying to do. So I figured, why not? Let's have them on for an interview. And I think that's enough background. One last bit of admin before we get started here. I do these interviews remotely, so the volume we're going to hear right now is probably going to get a little bit louder during the interview. So just tap that volume button down a couple times and you should be okay. I think that's enough admin. Thanks as always for listening and thanks for your patience with me during this hiatus. Without further ado, here's our episode. all right everybody it's the moment you've been waiting for we are here with two representatives from the dlcs that is dual links champion series i'm here with Victinium and a dragon soul hello hi guys how are you
1: i'm doing all right
0: all right is all right i suppose better than bad
1: (laughs) and i'm pretty good
0: i'm i'm chilling there you go chilling's always good yes sir Alright guys, so uh, for these interviews, I always like to start off with some questions about you. Because you're doing something interesting, therefore you must be an interesting person. Pictinium, how'd you get your name?
1: My username actually has quite a little bit of lore, a little bit of like choice put into it. It's the combination of two words. The first one is fiction, which I guess I'll uh, explain each one first. So, the first one is fiction, its meaning is basically if if you did something or something happened that was so good or so amazing that it wouldn't even be real, aka it would be fictional, and it's basically giving your best so that can happen, you know, striving for that level. The second one is titanium, and I chose this one because I was looking for something for some kind of material that's super strong and resilient. Titanium is obviously that. It's a, it's a really strong metal. Now, there's a bunch of other choices. So why go with titanium? That is actually because of a song, a song exactly called Titanium from David Guetta, which a lot of people people probably know. And the song itself is literally about what I was looking for, being strong and not giving up. So you combine the two and you get Fictinium, myself.
0: That's perfect. And uh, full disclosure for the audience, I had a little uh, tip-off as to how he got his name, so I actually went and listened to that David a song. And if you don't think you know it, you actually do. For the longest time, I thought the name of that song was Bulletproof, and upon looking for it, I found out that it's actually Titanium. And it's a banger. It's a bop. Oh, that's what... I feel like I I have heard (laughs) of that, actually, then. Yeah, I may have heard of that. Yep,
1: it's a really good song.
0: Yeah, I think it's David Guetta featuring Sia. Yep, Uh,
1: that is exactly it.
0: What about you, Dragon Soul? So, for me,
2: uh, mine is more deprived of from a roleplay Yu-Gi-Oh server that i came from which is mostly from one of my characters that i used it was because the character was meant to have a dragon soul engraved within them that soul within him was also once a dragon known as solaria that is the that name solaria has kind of become synonymous with me in a way that i've always kind of used and as a small matter of fact, the PFP I currently have on is actually her, um, and some, which was actually some fan art that someone made of her for me, which I'm very grateful for them. Um, small shout out to them. Um, small shout out to Al for that, from PPAU. I'm very glad that they made this for me. It's actually so nice. It's a simple name that gave some meaning, and then it gave me a character name that kind of just becomes anonymous while being also very nice in a way. That server I'm also on, I'm now also staff on after like probably like a year of being there. So it was It's actually kind of nice to see that place flourish while I was kind of making myself who I am.
0: That's awesome. It's one of the reasons why I like to ask that question is because sometimes there's a funny answer. And other times, like for you two, for example, there's like some real depth and meaning behind it. And then, I don't know, it kind of gives you insight to uh, to who you are as a person. Yeah, very true. And then a question for you. So uh, RP Yu-Gi-Oh! server, what's that like?
2: So there's like multiple channels on the server that have like, they're like areas you go to, like uh, uh, there's like a town square, there's like slums, all kinds of stuff like that, um, where people can kind of just talk with their OCs in role play. And with that, you're kind of just able to kind of go and make some character development for them, make a good story with them. As we go through an... As we go through arcs with kinds of villains uh trying to do stuff kind of think of it like any kind of Yu-Gi-Oh anime where it's like there's always those kinds of big villains that's kind of like that and for us we try to give it some options where it gives a lot of different people kind of their own areas to go through they have their own arcs and they also can kind of um engage in the plot in their own way so we try to represent it as many members as we can and it's also a server that allows custom cards. I know we're doing an event on that right now, actually, which is just kind of funny that I'm talking about that. <laughs> and I'm mostly the guy who kind of reviews those custom cards, PSET, all kinds of stuff like that.
0: Wow, that's in that's incredible. That sounds like uh, like you have your own D&D world flushed out, but instead of all the D&D baggage that comes with it, it's Yu-Gi-Oh! That's, in, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So does your uh, do your character have their own custom ace card?
2: If you want to think of it like that, yes. That's what the idea of that soul was. It was actually Solaria herself. That's what it was kind of based on for that character. Though so that one's now more of a retired OC since we moved on from the arcs where that was kind of a thing. We're now in a different
0: arc. Did your card have 3,000 attack and 2,500 defense or 2,500 attack or 3,000 defense? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Where you're the protagonist, or the main antagonist, or the main I kind of like the
2: main protagonist. It was kind of a meme in one of the arcs, but I was kind of like one. I actually think I still have, like, a photo of it or something. Or actually, no, I think I've been my files. No, it was actually 2600 attack and 1600 defense, which is, I think, that's a weird stat line, but
0: whatever. <laughs> I like weird stat lines. I'm a fan of, like, the uh, Gen 1 Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Like, Reaper of the Cards, I think, has, like, 1,390 attack or whatever. I love those <laughs> weird ones.
2: Konami, on, give us an archetype with, that, with those weird numbers,
0: please. When did you two get started playing Duel Links? I got
2: started around, I think it was maybe three to four years ago. When I joined, I remember Sylvan was the meta of the game at that point. It was interesting, and I was also kind of a noob. I'll definitely admit that much <laughs> as a game at that point. So I I know I literally, I think I went for like Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon at the start, which was just like funny, even though the stuff in that box actually kind of helps me out
0: later on. Yeah, that, that tracks though. It was worth it. It
2: was it was worth it in a long run to go through that.
0: Don't let the memes make you feel bad. There's nothing wrong with starting out with Blue Eyes or even eventually ending up at Blue Eyes. It's it's an icon for a reason.
2: Yeah, instead I just went for stuff like Knights, which is actually a more fun deck. I know Playmaker has always been a big fan of that, uh, the YouTuber. I loved the fact that he was always like a huge Gemini fan. And then I just kind of picked up on it. And I was also loving the deck because it was like a fun deck that could do crazy combos, crazy plays. Um, And it even had FTK, which, of course, Konami nerfs that FTK, even though that's kind of stupid and fun
0: at times. Yeah, I never mind the FTKs, especially like the Exodia FTK. If you can pull that off, kudos to you. You did it. Take the win. I'll sit there and happily watch you beat me.
2: But they nerfed it because they're seeing, oh, the SDK is a little too consistent. let us We don't want that to be the case.
0: What about you, Ficht? Uh How and when did you get started with Duel Links?
1: If I remember correctly, I started Duel Links around 2017 because a friend of mine at the time recommended me the game. I've always li- liked card games. I think it was before the GX world even. Yeah, I, I think. 2017, even though my memory is a little bit hazy, I think that's a good guess, because I'm pretty sure GX wasn't around yet, but then I saw it enter.
0: Wow, so you're an OG then. You've seen it all. Yep. Since you've been around for a while, I'm sure you have plenty of favorite moments in Duel Links. What's uh, what's one of your favorite moments, or proudest moments?
1: Well, it's actually funny, because it's the contrary. I actually don't have much. <laughs> uh... <laughs> my like my proudest moments in duel Links, uh, or Duel links related really is just when I'm in a tough spot in a in a duel and I'm able to bring it back and just outplay my opponent to oblivion. I feel like that's that's when I feel the best, really. So there's a bunch of them. Um, if I had to choose one though, like just one moment of all these years, it would probably probably be my second place in um in a single elimination tournament, which was pretty cool. Uh too bad I couldn't finish it off in first, but I'm I'm still uh, I'm still proud of that one.
0: Yeah, second place is not then to turn your nose up at. That's still incredible. You're the best, except for one instance. Yep. <laughs> What about you, Dragon? What's uh, your favorite moment or proudest moment in Duel Links?
2: I would say that similar to fixed I don't exactly have like the there's like I'm not really a kind of favorite person, so I don't exactly pick moments. But there is like one moment that probably has outshined almost anything else that I've done. That would be because I reached top a 100 in the most recent um, KC Grand Tournament. Which was uh, very, which was pretty lucky. I didn't finish in that spot, of course. I only got up there for like a bit, but it did happen. It was kind of a big thing because I had never done that, and it was like, as a free-to-play player, it's like getting up to top 100 is just ridiculous, and it's like you play the game for like three to four years, and just like suddenly you finally reach like such a spot, just really lucky and hard, and I know Vic. I think, he was commenting on the fact that, like, oh, if Dragon can do it, I probably could do it at some point, too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I can reach 75, then I, then I think he can, too. I mean, if you put listen, enough effort in.
1: Listen, KC Cup really is just a matter of, like, you being able uh, to play for that long, you know, like, the whole three days, and have the patience to do so. Yeah. In my opinion. So if I had that, I I truly believe that I could also get there pretty high. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Nothing uh, wrong with a little friendly smack talk. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah, but it's still, you know, amazing.
0: Yeah. I uh, I kind of agree with you, effect. Obviously, you have to be very skilled as a duelist, and you have to have a good uh-huh. set of cards you can go to, and maybe even a good secondary set of cards you can go to in case you're having bad string of luck with your primary deck but like the way the second stage of the kc cup is set up is it's pretty much just duel till you drop it's about getting in as many wins as you can in that short window that doesn't take away from you know finding yourself in the top 100 let alone top 100 as a free-to-play player when everybody else is running three book of moon that's still (laughs) that's still incredible good top 100 is oh i don't know about nine thousand something places higher than i've ever seen so i'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna judge you there that
1: yeah, yeah no it's still pretty pretty good
0: especially in that last casey cup too because the meta was really competitive then there was no clear-cut tier one there was just a bunch of decks kind of clustered together with yeah yeah I think Onomats might have been tier one at that point. Yeah, I think they were, but it was just I, uh, it was just I, Rhino I that pushed them to tier zero.
1: I actually don't remember how high Onomats were a few months ago, because I think they were around the same level as uh, resonators and stuff, because they still didn't play that awful, uh, as in cancerous, uh, c- control version. Um, I, I'm pretty sure, at least if if my mem- if my memory serves right.
2: Oh yeah, I think I Resonator was Tier One actually. Yeah, that might be true. Like T- TPC yeah, just had it up there for like, like forever, and it was so annoying. Like I mean, other the next Resilient, but I don't think it's that good. It's just well, okay, that's like maybe a little bit too much. But like it's like it's good, but it does have some weakness if you grind it up too far. Just like oh, I can't keep up, I'm gonna lose.
0: Careful talking smack about Resonators. That's my pet. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, that's that's my golden boy right there is the old Jack Atlas. I guess uh, I can share kind of a funny story. I know I've already shared it with you two and some of our pre interview talk, but for the audience, it might be, they might get a good chuckle on it. But uh, so I mentioned the highest I ever finished was like the 10,000s for the Casey Cup. And that was this last Casey Cup. I finally had a deck that I felt comfortable enough to go in and actually participate in the second stage with. I knew I wasn't just going to get storm rolled, so I took the harpies deck that I had been working on, and I went at the second stage. And I think six hours or so, I found myself inside the top ten thousand cut. I kept playing and playing and playing and playing, and then I kept winning. I was on like six or seven game win streak. So all right, maybe I actually have a shot to finish even higher than ten thousand. Let's let's keep going. Let's keep pushing it. And for the rest of the night that I played, I lost every single match and yeah. <laughs> ended up falling outside the top 10,000
2: yeah that's basically what happened to me I was just up at that high spot and I was trying to keep myself up there at the top 100 and then like uh, because and that was basically like I got up to the top 100 around day two and then on day three I just dropped so quickly because I was getting overwhelmed by like a ton of lunar lights and side roads it's more annoying because you can't tell what you're fighting they're both zane you can't see oh is it little is it sidra do i put my monster in defense and not some from the extra deck do i do i not play do i play more aggressive put big bodies out to make sure sidra can't otk me like what do you do like you don't have any idea what you're fighting and it just gets completely makes it so annoying that's just one thing you really don't see until you get up to the top 100 because you don't know what you're actually fighting most of the time it just gets those two are conflicting so much it's kind of like how some people will use my with Hunting Grounds in Trimid to kind of make you think you're playing against Harpies, but it's actually Trimid, and then you could just get kind of turned on your
0: head. Yep. I've had the same thing happen to me with uh, with uh Yuma and Astral, and I'm like, oh, okay, Onomats, let's set up my board to counter Onomats, and then out of nowhere, they're playing the 6am version for Zexal Weapon. <laughs>
2: I'm like,
0: oh, okay, great. All right, cool. Yeah, or so, Evil Eye, here. which they're
2: just like, yeah, we're going to use Dual Fuel and uh, Evil Eye, let's just... Uh, kill you, let us just do that, or it's like uh, level tuning, and then there you go for Utopia Rayo TK on you, I didn't know
0: where. Yep, absolutely. And I guess uh, I missed the funny part of my story, but the funny or ironic part of the story is when I was sitting there inside the top 10,000 trying to push forward to see how high I could climb, what I didn't realize is, had I just not played one more game of Yu-Gi-Oh!, I would have still finished in the top 10,000 based on how many points I had. So I literally just played my way outside the top 10,000. Basically, how
2: I did it. But, well, (laughs) I I was going to fall out of the top 100. There was no way I was going to avoid that if I didn't. If I didn't play, I was going to fall. There was nothing I could do about that. But I would have probably finished in the top 500 or 1,000 if I hadn't played instead, which would have been still very high. But instead, I fell down to like a top 10,000.
1: It did feel like that.
0: Yeah, I can't fault you for that one, though. When you're seeing yourself at the top 100, you got to just believe in yourself and the heart of the cards and think, like, this is my moment. I'm going to make it to Worlds. (laughs)
2: Hell yeah. Maybe not that far. I'm not trying to get the first place. That's a little hard. But, like, if I'm at least at the top 100, i got something to flex on.
0: (laughs) Very true. Dragon, I know you said you're not one to pick favorites, but do you have a favorite archetype or card? I would say that I don't
2: really say there's a favorite card. Like, there's so many cards in the game at the point where I just can't choose one specific card that I just like more than anything else. I just I just don't feel like I have that. That's just something, I've just never been able to pick one. For archetypes, I would actually say a couple things. If you went into the more of a TCG, OCG perspective, there is one archetype I've always loved, and that is Orcust which I know is also partially in Duel Links. It's a Grave Dark Machine archetype, which was meta in the Eternity formats, if people remember that from the TCG. It was one of my favorite formats, to be honest. It was a a very fun time to play around, and it was a fun deck that I got to play at my locals, so I loved having Orcas, and it was just a fun deck to play, and so much fun to use. I would say some of my favorites are probably mostly like, Gem Knights, Crystrons, and Tellers, which, yes, that's three different techniques, <laughs> funny enough. Um, I've always liked Gem Knights from, like, the beginning. They were always a fun deck for me to play, even though they're a little power creeped now. They're just such a fun and crazy fusion archetype that I just have always loved. It's just so crazy how far they can play. For the Crystrons, that was fun in their prime, and I've been trying to... Maybe reassemble it if I can get the uh, mails, but the game has been rigging my packs again, and first I couldn't pull Bisk, and now I can't pull Abyss Pike. Like, yay. Awesome job game, I love it. Hooray, RNG! Yes. <laughs> Two-thirds the way in, both packs, I didn't pull either one, and the only SR left that I haven't pulled at least one copy of. And then for Tellers, uh, just a simple XC spam archetype that can just... Grind game like it's nobody's business. Like it's nightmarishly hard to outgrind it. And it's also fun because I get to use spa go along with just Dexel it's just a very fun time to toy around with. I know I've had some very crazy anime like duels with it. I think there was one in like the KCGT I did at one point where I was just using Tellers instead of the usual Thundra. And I got into a duel with Primo, who was playing a Thundra deck. And it was such a ridiculous grind game. It was like an anime duel almost. I literally had Lethal with Utopia Ray, attack. He spheres, I have dealt. I have Alpha, so I negate it. He has Temperance, so he still lives. And I'm just like, this is actually happening. How is this made alive? This is literally impossible. Yeah,
0: heart of the cards. I still want it. It was just ridiculous. What about you, Fict? What's your uh, favorite archetype?
1: I actually have a singular card that I could say is my favorite that it's not from the archetype that I prefer. So that singular card is the Archfiend Emperor. And the reason I like that card so much, I feel like it really is just for the nostalgia aspect, because I had that card when I was a kid, and it was my boss monster and my mishmash of a deck that, you know that I used in those silly duels that we we used to have with the made-up rules and stuff. Every time I brought that monster, I would almost always win. I don't remember how I used it. I'm pretty sure I just banished any card to destroy any card on the field. Um... <laughs> <laughs> gotta,
0: love play- gotta love playground rules.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I used it. Uh, so, I, 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 that's why I like it, uh, I'm pretty sure. Although I also like the art and just the aspect of it. And of course, I like the archetype too, actually. Um, although my favorite archetype, on the other hand, is Crystron's. I like their concept a lot. Like They are based on minerals. Um, the art style is great. I love their playstyle, their combo deck. And some of the effects are also amazing. Being able to Synchro Summon on, on your opponent's turn. Just overall, I, I love the whole deck.
0: I haven't had a lot of experience with Crystron's, but I've heard a lot about their glory from past days. Mm-hmm. Are you still uh, playing Crystron's at all?
1: Yes, I am. That is my choice deck, my, uh, my main deck, ever since it came out into Duel Links. And that would be two years ago. So I've been maining and playing Crystaurons for two years now.
0: I like that. I have a lot of respect for players like you who just kind of find their deck or find their archetype and then stick with it and just keep refining it through uh, through thick and thin. Yep. I think that's going to end up being me with Resonators. I know they're at the top of the hill right now, but they won't always be. And I've made peace with that. But I've had so many good memories with, with Resonators that it's going to be very hard for me to set them aside and move on to something else. So you both mentioned Christrons as one of your uh, favorite archetypes or decks in Duel Links. Dragon, you mentioned some other combo style decks. Is there anything about that particular combo style that speaks to you? Is that your favorite style or was it just kind of happenstance that you found yourself liking that deck? I would say it's more
2: like a combo control that I kind of like. I don't mind combo, but I also like control in a way as long as it's not like really brain dead or anything. Where it's more like you want to be very careful and skilled about what you do. So, with combo, you have a lot more options, but you have to be very careful about what you do and not make the wrong move. If you make one misplay, it could cost you the whole duel. And you have to know every single combo, everything you can do in the situation, analyzing what you can do and make the right move beyond it. With control, you don't do as much, but you accomplish kind of the similar idea. And you do more with less, essentially. You don't need to do a lot to kind of force your opponent to a corner. I do kind of like both kinds of styles in a way, where if it, it combines both, it can actually be kind of interesting. I would say Crystron kind of acts like that in a way, because it's like you control in a way with the Citri and the um, Rion and all that stuff to kind of slow your opponent down for a turn, but then you combo off and kind of just break the boards and such. And I review Tellers in a similar way, because they're kind of more... You do want to control with back row and with your field presence, but you combo with that field presence doing, you know, the usual Teller combo, Vega, tear, Deneb, Dirk, yada, yada, yada. And comparably, Gemini's like full combo. You're just blasting everything at your opponent trying to kill them. But that one's just like so crazy and explosive. that I just love it for that.
0: Yeah, I love that explosiveness too, especially with Resonators. That's one of my favorite things about it is you get these really big body monsters out on the field and they have these removal effects that just allow you to swing straight for game. So satisfying when you can get two of those Dark Dragons out on the field at the same time, because it means you're going for game.
2: Yeah, basically that's what Gemini does, but they instead of going for it that way, they just turn all of your opponent's monsters against them and just burn them for game with uh, Lapis Lazuli, since you can just, if they have specials on monsters, you're probably dealing like 2k damage per hit.
0: And that's a lot of damage. That's got to be so satisfying. Card game Judo, use your own monster against you. What about you, Ficht? Uh Is there anything about the combo playstyle that drew you in or just kind of happenstance that you uh, fell in love with Christrons?
1: Yeah, I'd say I, I just generally like combo decks a lot more because in my view, they require a lot more skill. You really need to know what you're doing and you need to know how the deck works and what are the outs that you can create because usually combo decks really can do a lot in one single turn, like, a lot. Uh, using Crystron's, I think, turn three, I've been able to go through a bouncer and triple back row and still yeah. deal some damage. So combo decks can really, really pop off if you have the right setup.
0: Talk about playing through disruption, through back row yeah. and a bouncer, wow. Yeah,
1: Yeah. so I, I, I just really like that. Uh, about combo decks if you use your head and know how to play your deck you can really do a
0: lot so we know that you're still tried and true chrystron's player what about you dragon what are you maining now Uh, is it tellers or i know you mentioned thundra a little earlier is that what you're maining right now i do run thunder dragon definitely
2: i don't really say that there's really exactly a main deck though like i play a lot of decks and i kind of try to be a bit more versatile with that kind of stuff in meta terms, that would probably be my main with Thunder Dragons because like, there's, I don't have much else I can really play in that terms. But I can also play other decks keeping them pretty competitive regardless. So it allows me to play other stuff if I wanted to do, um, like Tellers and all that. And if I can complete it, I'll definitely also try Crystrons again. But, you know, Pack Luck is just being annoying again.
0: So that's being fun as always. <laughs> Gotta love the Jesus. Sometimes he smiles on you. Other times he slams the door in your face. Yep. <laughs> that was me digging for a red resonator. It took so long. I think I had three packs left in the uh, in the mini box. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Had to dig deep. And then you mentioned you're uh, free to play as well, uh, right, Dragon? Yeah. What about you, Fict? Are you free to play as well?
1: Not a single cent spent into the game. Yet, I have the most expensive deck in the game.
2: Well, second most. (laughs) Let's just say second most. Uh, We all know the real most expensive deck. Dark Lord. No, no. No, Dark World. Dark World is the most expensive deck. We all know that.
1: Oh, true. That thing. (laughs) That thing that I don't even remember because it's so bad. (laughs) It's the second most expensive. Although, although it's better. If you can't no, no. If you can't all the cards through like the different versions, yeah. then it's more expensive <laughs> because you have all the Christian core, then you have all the mermels, then you have all the extra water monsters, then you have the extra deck, and then you 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 still have some spells and traps.
0: I think that's a convincing enough argument. I think we'll call Crystron's the most expensive because you've had to play different versions of the deck. Whereas Dark World has never had a version that's yeah. actually good enough to play. <laughs>
1: even though it's extremely expensive. Too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you two have any advice for free-to-play players out there?
2: It would mostly be that you probably want to make sure that you, at the start, probably go for cheaper decks. But as you go on, you can aim for more and more expensive decks um, as you start kind of acquiring more cards. Like, if you've already got some cards for one deck, you can try to merge it in, get the other portions, and all that. So, like, it kind of gives you... You want to kind of kind of take it like a stepping stone as you go up and up and up. You'll slowly get more and more cards to uh, build better decks as you go on. It's not easy, of course, because it does take a while. But it also means that you can be a bit more um, skillful and unique with what you can actually use, since you probably don't have, like, Book of Moon or Breakthrough Scale, which, honestly, I still feel like it's an overrated card. You can just use other stuff that's better and or like has more options so there's all kinds of free-to-play options like the card trader or just in general like naturally rare cards you just have so many options you get whatever you want it's just you don't have to be limited by oh they have three book of moon i can't play it That that great uh no there's all kinds of other options you can use instead you could just run uh, other cards like kanadia which although yes that's a UR. are at least you can still get that without paying money likely or um, just run Murmur of the Forest, which is just a normal spell that sets a monster, which is very simple but effective, and it's a card-trade card. There's, It's not like you're too limited. It just means it, it, you're a little limited by being free-to-play, but it does still have its advantages, and it's still able to work out uh, just fine, usually.
0: That's great advice. Um, the last interview I did with uh, Diatonic... He had a really good point about Book of Moon and trying to replace it or shore up everything that it provides if you don't have it. And his, I guess, argument or line of thinking was the difference between having three Book of Moon and not having three Book of Moon is the difference between being able to King of Games and being able to be in the world championship. So if you're just trying to play this game, you know, a couple hours every night, have fun, maybe hit King of Games every season or whenever you can, every other season. you're going to be fine without Book of Moon, you don't need to drop the $150 to go get it. (laughs) Yeah. But if you want to make, like, playing Duel Links your career, well, then you're going to have to invest in yourself and give yourself every opportunity to make it to the highest levels. Yeah. I also love the advice about having uh, a cheaper deck that you can kind of be competitive with while you're accumulating resources to build the actual deck that you want to play that was me and super heavy samurais um when i was first starting to play duel links i did what i think a lot of people do is best decks in yu Yu-Gi-Oh! duel links and lo and behold i came across the uh the big robot boys so i dropped the uh 5000 gems that you get or whatever at the start to build a pretty convincing deck and that deck did wonders for me it got me to the uh 17th Dual level for first stage of the KC Cup that was going on at the time. And I'd only been playing for maybe two or three weeks at that point. So that shows you right there that if you just stick to a box that contains one archetype that has all the core cards, you can really make it far and accumulate resources along the way to build the, another stronger deck.
2: Yeah. And then you also have the resources from that box that you were just pulling through to kind of find more decks. Like if you maybe went through, um, like maybe you went for a Light a while back, and then it kind of got slaughtered, unfortunately. Um, you at least have the pieces, so you could then go aim for tanky or whatever, or even the predator plants, and those could help you kind of fix the deck's issues now. As do if you went for the predator plants, that would let you kind of obtain the ability to use um, chimeraphilia, and that would give you another option. While if you go for tanky, that gives you more consistency. So like if you just went for a little light, there's like two more boxes. and now you have an option to kind of make the deck better. And then from there, you can go farther. When you go for um, the Predator Plant, you would then have access to Witchcrafter and Evil Eye. So that gives you two more options. Like you can kind of see where that goes from there. You can take from one arc box, you go to another and another. And you start realizing you can get more stuff than what you're just aiming for from one thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're going for Luna Lights, you get to accumulate all those resources and then you have some for Blue Eyes along the way. If you ever decide, you know what, I really like yeah, this. Lights game, War, which is a really yeah. good engine. Yep, absolutely. So if you ever decide down the road that, hey, I want to play Blue Eyes or, hey, I want to play Lightsworn, okay, now you can take a little bit of that Christmas money that you get from Grandma every year and, you know, put it in the game if you want. Or if you're dedicated enough and disciplined enough, you can do what you two do and just be free to play keep grinding out resources and taking advantage of everything that the game gives you. Yep. What about you, Fick? What advice do you have for free-to-play players?
1: Well, since Dragon over here already said pretty much everything, you know, like <laughs> um, That's my fault. I should have bounced uh, the question to you <laughs> earlier. Um, I'll just add or like say what I think is the most important part about being a free-to-play player, which is really just the gem management so my advice for that first of all disclaimer that you'll have to grind to uh, to get stuff otherwise you you won't get much gems fast now that's out of the way i recommend every free to play player to do all the events always that's like the first thing because they don't give a lot of gems when you look at how many packs you can open to get all the cards But they do give a decent amount of gems, usually in most events or like at least a few. You can get up to like 2,000 gems if you play a lot of the event. That's the first thing. Uh, And then when spending the gems, at first you'll have a lot of gems. If I'm not mistaken, each character gives you around 3,000 gems when fully leveled up, which is quite a lot. You won't run out of gems, you know, easily for quite a long time. So all you need to think about when spending the gems is really just doing research first just uh, to have a good notion of what you can expect from those cards. I'd say those are my two main things that, you know, that's good to focus on. Play a lot, play, uh, play the events to get the gems. And then when you go to spend the gems, make sure you know what you are spending on. Make sure you know what to expect from the cards.
0: That's excellent advice. See, Dragon didn't take everything. (laughs) (laughs) I think the only thing uh, I have left to add on this is if you're going to be free to play, make peace with the fact that you're not going to be able to play everything. So kind of like Ficht was saying, make sure you really know what you're getting into when you're spending those gems, because the last thing you want is to build an archetype and turns out it's not doesn't really fit your playstyle or you just don't like it or it gets power crept just really quick. Exactly. Yeah, you're not going to be able to just jump back in and get whatever the hottest deck is right now. You might have to wait a while, and by that time, that deck might already be power crept out too. Other than the uh, DLCS, do you two have any other dual Links-related things you do? Do you stream? Do you have uh, some other type of content channels?
1: Aside from our discord server of course uh, because even to enter the the tournament it's required that you are in the discord server besides that we've started setting up a twitch channel which we will be starting to stream very soon our bigger tournaments we won't stream our smaller ones that we have each week and stuff but our our bigger ones we will be streaming those. And the next one that happens, you can expect the stream, which by the way, I will be the the main commentator. And we also are thinking of a YouTube channel, although that's more on the lower side of things, you know, it's still, we are still figuring out if we are actually going to do that or not. And if we do, it's basically just going to be a YouTube channel channel for like shorts, of duels that that we record and and we think are spicy or you know or something happened or they're just really good duels stuff like that other than that there's nothing else um at least for now
0: if uh people were looking for the twitch channel or the discord what would they search
1: to find the twitch channel it's not publicly uh, publicly publicly out yet although you can search for it already which is it's just called Dual Links Discord, so if you just search that, it should pop up on Twitch. As for the Discord server, you can just go to your browser and just type discord.gg/dl, and that will instantly put you in a website with with the invite to our Discord server, and then you click join, and you're in.
0: There you go. So I think the lesson learned here is join the discord server. So you'll know when that Twitch channel drops and you can listen to uh, Fictinium's Fictinium smooth, sultry voice a little bit more. <laughs> All right. And I think that's enough about us. Let's move on to the main reason why I wanted to have you two on. Let's talk about DLCS, the Duel Link Champion Series. You guys just had a tournament recently. What inspired you to create your own tournament or the DLCS as well?
1: back when it was created, there was really almost no competitive scene. There really wasn't that many tournaments going around. We wanted to give players some kind of of tournament they could just join and enjoy themselves and you know just have fun while still technically, you know, experiencing a competitive environment. Because even from Konami, the only things you really have, even even right now, is just the K.C. Cup and the World Championship. You know, uh, so you really don't have much. So yeah, we uh, we just wanted to give players uh, an opportunity to do that, and that's what uh, that's what we did.
0: Well, I'm happy you did. Tournament play has been kind of a blind spot for me, especially being newish to dual links. I really wanted to participate in your last tournament, but I had time commitments elsewhere. So I figured next best way would I have you on for a podcast and talk about it. And Maybe I can get into the next one. Hopefully. I love that you guys are doing this. I really love accessibility and you guys making tournament play more accessible to more people is only a positive. Can you uh, give us a rundown of the rules for the DLCS tournament that you just had?
2: For the rules, we asked that people have to be a part of our official Duel Links Discord server. Uh, cheating or lying to the tournament organizers in any way results in you being DQ'd, and disconnection is counted as a game loss, but not a match loss for the player who DC'd, with exceptions like if that player who DC'd had clear lethal on board, then it's pretty much their win regardless of if they DC'd, since they are guaranteed the win anyway. They also We also asked that people had followed the latest Duel Links ban list, which at the time, Onomat's ban, the ban list that hit Onomat um, recently, as we all know. Um, Head and Rhino went to two. That ban list had not been released yet, so we had not applied that to our tournament. Changing decks is not allowed in this tournament. You must play with the one deck you submitted. You get a side deck which can consist of seven cards or six cards in a skill, and matches consist of three duels. The winner of two duels wins the match and you, you decide after the first duel.
0: Nice and simple. I love it. And I especially love the the one deck thing because that makes it, again, more accessible to other people. If you're a newer player and you've just built your one deck, whether it be Luna Lights or Super Heavy Samurai, and you're just looking to have fun, well, okay, now you know you're not going to be terribly underpowered for this event because everybody's running their three meta decks that they have. Everybody just picks the best one, and they go with it. In uh, the information for this tournament, the first round was uh, Swiss style. I'm not really familiar with that. Um, do you mind breaking down what Swiss style is and uh, why you chose to go with that? Mm-hmm.
1: A Swiss style tournament is is a format where you have a certain that number of rounds, and in each round, you go against one random opponent from all the from all the players. So you play your first round. And then the second round, your opponent is decided by both your score and their score up until that round. So let's say you lose round one. That means that on round two, you'll probably be paired with someone that also lost on round one. As for if you, if you won round one, then you'll be paired uh, with someone that won round one and so on until the, um, at the last round.
0: Nice, I like that. That sounds way better than the way we used to do whatever version of a tournament when we were kids, where it was just everybody play everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that, that definitely wouldn't work.
0: here. <laughs> yeah, not at a little all. Overkill. I think I saw you had 43 entrants, if I'm correct. If it's 40-something, everybody play everybody. The old round robin style is definitely yeah, that, uh, way yeah, too yeah. intensive. Yeah, if you thought the KC Cup was intense. Let's add two more days on to that.
1: (laughs) And yes, we had 43. Um, I'm looking at it again. Nice. And that's email.
0: Now everybody knows I do my research. Nice. Uh, what was the most interesting deck that you saw in the tournament?
2: I would say, it, to me, I was kind of interested in there being a Thunder Dragon player who was free to play, and they actually managed to make the top cut and even um, win the whole thing.
0: What does a uh, free to play Thunder Dragons even look like? Um, I think I we actually have his list. I could actually grab it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm curious to see it. Thunder Dragons is one of those archetypes that I'd really love to play, but there's way too many URs for me to even start looking into how to build it. So, if there's a free to play version. I'd love to hear it.
2: Well, his is like, he's still got like many of the cards, but he doesn't have like everything. Yeah. He's missing a Hawk.
1: When he says free to play, it's just basically incomplete. It's not really. Free. Yeah, he's only
2: got one Sark and he's got two Hawk. It's like a little incomplete. It's still the full deck. It's just he's not running like, um, but he's got it on a free to play account. So, he's missing some stuff.
0: hmm. That's still incredible, though.
1: Yeah, because then yeah. It still has the two spheres, the three levies, and a few other cards. I I, I don't want to be, spoiling the whole deck here. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think Dragon did a good, good job of summing it up. He's using the uh the OG Thunder Dragon engine, I guess if you would call yeah, it. Yeah, I can usually run that, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then it's uh so, pretty much a standard Thunder Dragon stack, but. Missing a hawk and a gold sark, and you replaced it with enemy controller. Extra deck looks uh, pretty well complete too. So that's awesome. It's actually kind of encouraging to hear that you can do this on a free-to-play account. That means anybody who wants to play Thunder Dragons. Oh, totally. Go for it. Yep. Yeah. It'll take a lot of
2: work, but it's it, it it does come out right. The only thing is that the deck might be nerfed soon. So yeah, I was a little bit that. ambitious. Like if you already yeah. have a lot of the pieces, go ahead and finish the deck. But if you don't have much of it. I wouldn't recommend going for it because we don't know yeah. if the bandless is going to slaughter it. Yeah. Very you true. You
1: got to be wary of that. You got to be wary because the uh, bandless is coming soon. Not too soon, but soon. And there's a few decks that are very likely to get hit.
0: <coughs> Resonators. Uh,
1: um, yeah. And <laughs> Automat. too.
0: Automat and, again. You know, again, and, again. Yeah, probably
2: Harpies.
1: Yeah. And Thunder Dragons are on that list too, especially since they were limited before, you know, the dark but then got unlimited, and now they are on the rampage again. So be careful.
0: It's still a very resilient deck. It's been pretty meta-relevant for quite a while now, if I recall. For a long time. But I think your advice uh, holds true. Just wait until after the ban list to see what happens, mm-hmm. just in case. What was the coolest moment of the tournament for each of you? For me, I would probably say it
2: was being in Onomat's actually breaking really hard it was actually kind of funny they can do that (laughs) yes apparently even hyper consistency and you still open no monsters because that's normal apparently I mean that's so
0: much background I know that's already a photo in the chat like up a little bit that's incredible to see yeah because Anomat's calling card is we're not the strongest but we're incredibly consistent and versatile. And versatile, yes. It melts my heart to see <laughs> that they bricked against a Risenator deck. Oh. <laughs> oh, Good. Yep. Wow. And they have the drowning, but it's useless. <laughs> it's huh. amazing. What about you, Fix? What was the coolest moment from the tournament for you?
1: For me, it was definitely one of my friends that was playing Ritual Beasts. And not only did he manage to get into the top cut, top uh, 16, he went undefeated up until top four. He won 2-0 and then he won 2-0 again against, mind you, Thunder Dragons and actually Thunder Dragons again. So he won 2-0 and then 2-0 against two Thunder Dragon decks, fully built Thunder Dragons. Unfortunately, he lost on the top four, the semifinals to Onomat's, where he actually had the first game, but then he lost the next two. But it was definitely, for me, one of the coolest moments to see Ritual Beasts make it that far.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Good for them. Even losing to Automats, I mean, that's nothing to be ashamed of. The tier 0 deck at that point, and the fact that he was undefeated up until that point is incredible in itself, let alone playing Ritual. That's a deck that hasn't really seemed relevant for quite a while now.
1: Yeah, it's still an amazing rogue. It's just, you know, that, that elder to do is just just a little bit.
0: Requires a absolutely galactic
2: brain size because
0: it is a very confusing <laughs> combo deck. If it requires a galaxy sized brain, I am uh I'm unfortunately out.
1: Let's just say the timer won't be your friend.
0: Probably not. I know you mentioned the little Thunder Dragon that could made the finals. What was the other deck that it saw in the finals?
2: Well, I think they kind of revealed this, but it was Anemot since that was what would be Um, would be the Ritual Beast player in top four. So the two ended
0: up going at it, and I believe the Thunder Dragon two o swept the Anemot. Wow, sweep uh, for yeah. the little Thunder Dragon that could! Way to go! And now that you mentioned it, I'm pretty sure you did tell me that uh, Ritual Beast was top four. Like I said. Galaxy Brain deck, probably out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else from the tournament that you two would like to recap?
2: We had more Thunder Dragons than Onomats from starting representation, which was a little surprising considering Onomats was tier zero at that point. Eight Thunder Dragons and seven Onomats were there, but that evened out to four and four in top cut. So basically, they each got slashed in half. We also had a single Gaia in the entire tournament, which actually made it to top eight on its own representing its whole deck and just like dragging it along it was also a lot more versatile representation as we had more than just onomat thundra harpies there was also stuff like ritual beast tech genus witchcrafter gaia and it was actually pretty interesting to see all of the different decks and more versatility despite it being
0: essentially a tier zero format at that point
1: we even got the subterra deck yes wow yeah
0: how do the subterrors do? Uh,
1: unfortunately, they didn't <laughs> make off, but... <anymore. laughs> no. no. no
2: okay. <laughs> well, if they tried, they tried, at
0: least. <laughs> yeah, still, hats off to them for trying it. I uh, I appreciate a good rogue deck, and even yeah. a, the roguest of rogue decks in subterror. That sounds like an amazing tournament, honestly. That kind of diversity is, I don't know, I think what makes yu Gi oh special yep. is the fact that you never quite know what you're going to go up against.
1: My uh, my biggest surprise was definitely seeing only two resonators, only two. Oh wow! But also, none of them made top cut. Not a single one <sighs> of those two.
0: Yeah,
2: even though they got one of them got a win over an Onomat who severely bricked, which was just yeah. hilarious.
1: There was also three harpies. Also, none of them made top cut.
0: Wow! <laughs> only that Thunder and Onomat survived. Yeah, I think that really speaks to, uh, despite having a clear-cut tier 0 and Automats, I think that really speaks to the healthiness of the meta otherwise, is that other than Automats, everything else is kind of really close together, so even Resonators, which held down tier 1 for a while, and Harpies that held down tier 1 for a while, they're still very vulnerable and not an instant win if you play them.
2: Yeah, and now month also weakened, since so, well, yeah, they still got the stupid skill, which needs to be once per duel. They still have, like, they still got sister, they still got head, they just lose their Rhino turn one play, which was way too much. And I think that kind of evens the meta out just a little bit enough, so they're not absolutely supreme, like, unbeatable, like, very hard to deal with deck. Yeah,
0: absolutely. they
1: went from tier 0 to tier 1.
0: <laughs> Haha. <What an laughs> got them. <laughs>
2: At least, yeah, but like, yeah, it's be, it's a bit more beatable now, at the least.
1: Fun fact: is it's actually harder for me to deal with them because now they have the stupid Bouncer again. Oh, and, and as a Christian player, Bouncer, it's so much worse than the right.
0: Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I
1: hate it. I I hate it. But oh, know, right, you because you can have bit. like an
2: extra. Oh, because it's century because it can get century,
1: and. Not only that, the Abyss guy, I, uh, I don't remember its full name. It's one of, the, one of the Mermel cards. It, it, it has 2,400 defense. That's more than any of my other monsters. So if I just have that and put that on the field uh, first, which is super easy, I usually start my combo with that if I have that on my hand. I'm basically fully protected from the Rhino, from the, uh, like from the rest of the turn like I, I i really didn't care at all about the rhino but i do care about a bouncer so that sucks
0: Agreed. yeah to be honest with you yeah the uh rhino's bus on a man never really bugged me all that much because i just teched in a lava golem because what i ended up seeing happen a lot was they would see jack atlas and on turn one, they'd be like, all right, let's mess this dude's life up. Let's go ahead and get Roach out on the field, and let's pair him up with a Rhino's bus so we can just ruin his day. Hell and yeah. Yeah. And
1: Lava then you Golem. ruin their
0: day instead. Yep, Lava <laughs> Golem tech, and then we all know Resonators doesn't need their normal summon, so go to Infernity Doom Dragon, pop wow. him, burn him for 1500 then go to Hot Red Dragon, and then swing for game. So, <laughs> Yeah, The uh, the older version of Automat with Bouncer actually gave me a lot more trouble because it limited what I could do because it would shut off effects, which is essential to resonators. Yeah. I noticed uh, this tournament was titled DLCS6. Am I right in assuming that there was a DLCS5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 1 before it?
1: That is correct.
0: Uh, what were those tournaments like?
1: So for those... They were actually single elimination tournaments. Uh, still best of three on each match. And the tournament happened for a maximum of three days. We liked to give time to our players to talk with uh, their opponents. And then they'd set a time where they could duel. And then they tell us the results. And then we'd update then they'd move on, whoever won, and, and that's basically how it worked uh, until, of course, we had the finals and uh, and the winner. So yeah, it was a single uh, elimination, no Swiss, uh, and you could set up the uh, the time with your opponent.
2: Yeah, that
0: sounds great. Hopefully I can participate in the next one. So I mentioned earlier that tournament play has been sort of a blind spot for me are either of you two pretty big tournament players personally i am not really a huge one i've used
2: to do locals uh every saturday which i couldn't do until recently this weekend i'm gonna be starting to go back to them but otherwise i don't really do a lot of tournaments other than the usual small lives we do on the server sometimes and it's mostly, I'm just not the person who does like a heck ton of tournament play. I'm not like that overly competitive person. Like I want to have a little bit of fun at the same time, but I, I'm like partially competitive, but also partially just want to have a good time and all that.
0: What about you, Fict? I know you mentioned one of your proudest moments was finishing second in a tournament, um, is tournament play something you're really into. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm actually a very competitive person and <laughs> ever since Christrons came about I decided to start joining tournaments, yeah. The only time where I kind of stopped was when they got nerfed to the ground because of uh, some other decks and people complaining a lot about uh, the Christian deck because, oh, it's annoying and it's so slow and all that, even though we are literally always activating effects. But, you know, that's fine. So that's the only time where I kind of stopped simply because, let's be honest, it wasn't playable. I recently got back into it, recently as in the past few months, when this new version of the deck came around using the water engine, you know, with pike and the Mud Dragon Spice, which is really, really good. So, yeah, I've been back into it again. Unfortunately, my luck keeps being the same. Absolutely awful, but we don't talk (laughs) about that. Um, But, yeah, uh, I do have quite a bit of uh, tournament experience
2: fixed tournament oh, luck yeah. and my pack luck but oh,
1: yeah.
2: just... just the unload we have like something it's just like oh i can't pull one sr i want two times in a row and then figure gets bad luck in tournaments naturally yeah which has become a meme at this point yeah that's
0: awesome by our powers combined we bring <laughs> to you bad time and duel links <laughs> If there was one piece of advice you could give to somebody who was looking to just start tournament play, what would that be?
2: For me, I would say that it's going to be competitive. After all, it's a tournament with prizes, but they're fun despite that, and that you probably just want to have a good time in it uh, and just enjoy the moment, really. That's great advice.
0: What about you, Fekt?
1: Well, since I'm more on the competitive side of things you know the try hard side of things um (laughs) i'm guessing if you're going to join a tournament it's because you want to start being somewhat competitive at least or at least you want to try to be so my advice on that is first of all check and get yourself informed about what's matter right now and even if you don't want to use matter it's important to know how to win against the meta, right? Also, before actually joining and playing, I'd recommend talking with someone who already has experience because it can be very helpful.
0: There you go. And if you're looking for somebody to start talking about turn to play with, join the DLCS Discord server. Yeah. The, there you yeah. go. Yeah.
1: That yeah. is that is a great place. We have over there all the help you can possibly need.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah we have it ton the deck helpers and feel free to bring them ping the roll about it.
0: There you go. And then uh just to add on to the first part of what you said, too effect, understanding the meta and then more importantly, to help you understand any situation that you might find yourself in in dual links, read your cards, read your opponent's cards. Yep. <laughs> it, yeah, it, is, sounds, very it sounds very obvious, but um I think we've all had an experience where uh somebody didn't read their cards and it ended up costing them. <laughs> Um I was playing against a harpy player. They went turn one, ran their uh, their normal harpy combo, activated Featherrest, and then they got into that "see yes, click yes" mode and clicked yes to activate Cyber Slash's effect. And the only monster on the field is Cyber Slash, so they bounced it back to their hand. <laughs> it was uh, followed up by a quick surrender and a nice victory for me and a good laugh. But um, read your cards and uh, yeah. read your and, opponent's cards
1: and don't spam yes you know yeah. you don't have to activate every effect that appears on your screen yes
0: i think that's about everything i wanted to cover with with you guys awesome thanks for coming on um this is a lot of fun i hope we can do it again
1: absolutely yep
0: and uh, our,
1: our pleasure to be here
0: yeah My pleasure to have you. And then uh, one more time before we take off, why don't you guys plug your uh, Discord server and any other DLCS stuff you want?
1: Yeah, uh, all right. So like I said, all you have to do to join the Discord, if you don't have an invite yet, is just type discord.gg slash DL on, on your browser and you'll get an invite link, join the Discord, and it's just that simple. And as for the Twitch and YouTube, like I said, it's not really active yet. Uh, but if you want, you can already search for the Twitch alone. It's simply called Dual Links Discord, and you should find it there.
0: Excellent. And uh, for anybody who's interested in that Twitch, when it pops up, you may or may not hear a familiar voice sometime soon. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm hesitant to tell you <laughs> what this is, because that may steer you away from tuning in. But uh, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I've already joined the discord it's great a lot of good info there a lot of good resources and then knowing that you always have somebody to just talk links with is pretty awesome. That's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is love this game, but I'm the only one I know who loves this game. So (laughs) I (laughs) I have no one to talk to about it. So, uh, drop in the discord and say it. Yeah, drop Um, in the discord. Say hi to everybody
1: and And just to uh, to finish off, just as a last note, the DLCS is absolutely not the only event tournament like that we have. We have tournaments every single week. There's a schedule that I post every Sunday, so you can just go check that. And then we also have a bunch of other monthly events and tournaments. Those don't have a public schedule, just prepare for them. And then we announce them as the moment of recording. We actually just started a, a custom card event where you can create a card for a certain archetype. This time around, it's arrow mages, and you can try your luck and win 5 bucks. We have a bunch of other stuff too.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I'm actually really happy that you plugged it, because um, when I first discovered you guys, it was through Reddit post about your tournament. And I just kind of assumed that that's all you did. But hearing that it's this whole blossoming community, Yeah, It's awesome. I'm happy to be a part of it. All right, and I think that's uh, that's it for the interview, guys. Thanks again for coming on, and I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, you didn't think I could leave without saying goodbye to you. Bad enough I didn't call or text for a month. All right, everybody, that's the episode. I hope you like these interview episodes. I think this is going to be a more permanent format of the podcast going forward. I enjoy these the most, and they're the most conducive to the type of podcast I want to produce and the original goal or idea for the podcast. I still want to do other topic episodes, but I think interviews are going to be the main focus. There's no reason to hash that all out now. We'll figure it out on the next episode. And until then, be safe, have fun.